Welcome back to the Aging Project Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Craft, and together, my friends, we're on a mission to age well, bloody well, if I'm being honest. Let's be real, though. We all need guidance when it comes to aging well, and that's why we've gathered the best possible support team for us. No topic is off limits, and I promise to ask all the right questions, your questions. Before we dive in, don't forget to join our growing community of women from around the world. Sign up at theagingproject.com.au and become part of the Aging Project community. You'll gain access to our treasure trove of podcast episodes, our free five-day morning challenge, and did you know we now have an online store called You Must Try It? It includes products we've discovered from our podcast guests and community. Think low-tox skincare, low-tox makeup, supplements, and more. You'll only find products we've tried, tested, and we love at youmusttryit.com. Are you ready to begin today's episode? Alrighty, let's do it. But there is also the element of stigma associated with cannabis. And similar to what you said early on, a lot of doctors, they're still associate cannabis with bongs and joints and getting high and that is the flip side of what I see every day. I see patients coming here every day who are able to get out of bed because they're no longer anxious and they can actually you know get through the day because they're a lot calmer, they're a lot happier and they're using something that's natural. Today we're talking to Lisa Newen, pharmacist and founder of Astrid Dispensary in Byron Bay and in Melbourne. Lisa caught our attention after being featured in Forbes magazine recently. She's a woman who's dedicated her life to educating herself and others about medicinal cannabis. So this got us thinking about the topic and realising there is so much more we need to know. For many, the word cannabis makes us think about naughty teenagers or perhaps our trip to Amsterdam and illegal behaviour, but could our own biases be clouding our judgement on this miracle plant? Could medicinal cannabis help our listeners dealing with pain, sleep and other chronic conditions? That is our topic for today. Come into this conversation open-minded, ladies. Would you please welcome Lisa. Lisa, it is wonderful to have you with us on The Aging Project. Thanks so much for the very warm welcome, Shelley. I'm really, really honoured to be here today. You're probably not what I expected to see, Lisa, sitting there on a cannabis hotline. (laughs) I'm sure many of us have this sort of picture of what um, someone who deals in cannabis would look like, and and you're not it, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, I'm not the stereotypical, I guess, depiction of what someone in cannabis looks like. Um, but I am um, a founder of the first female-led dispensary based in Australia, and currently I run probably the biggest cannabis dispensary in Australia at the moment, and I've got a site in Melbourne and a site in Byron Bay, and I've got a team of over 35 very, very passionate cannabis enthusiastic people at the moment running around talking about cannabis to patients and customers all day long. It sounds incredible and really crazily cutting edge because obviously cannabis has been around for thousands of years and used in a medicinal purpose for thousands of years as well. As a pharmacist, where did you first come into contact with cannabis? Yes, so my career in in, in cannabis started in 2017 Um, and just a bit of history, medicinal cannabis was legalised as a prescription medicine in 2016 and so I I, um, launched 
quite, um, you know, headfirst into the cannabis industry very early on. It's been, I'd say, over six years now that I've been in this industry. And in the cannabis world, six years is like dog years, like it's a long time. <laughs> um, and so I started in the industry because I, um, I was a community pharmacist and then I got into hospital and I worked through a um, in a few different sectors within the health space, but I was really frustrated with the current Australian healthcare system, and I also had a lot of curiosity, and I asked a lot of questions. Um, I asked my bosses a lot of questions, and then I somehow landed a um, um, a job in sales as uh, with a medicinal cannabis company, and one of the first few cannabis companies that was in Australia at the time. So when I worked... Um, for MedLab, um, we, there was only three products in market and my role was in educating doctors and pharmacists and nurses and other island health professionals on how to prescribe, what the benefits of medicinal cannabis were, what's the latest research and um, how to access for patients essentially. And back then um, in 2017, it was really hard. The government had just legalised it. It was legalised as well, um, not because the government felt like there was enough evidence. Right now, there still isn't enough evidence, but it was legalised because patients advocated for it. And what I mean by that is that so many patients, and you know, I'm sure so many of your family and friends have probably used it illegally, for medicinal purposes, because it's the thing that's helping them with anxiety or the thing that's helping with their pain, but they didn't know how to access it legally. And I guess prior to 2017, you couldn't really access it legally. You had to just get it illicitly. And so a patient um, and, the, and the lady that advocated for it was Lucy Haslam, who is my queen. She's just I, a wonder woman, and she had a son called Dan who um, he suffered from a really chronic condition, and the only thing that was going to help with his condition was, was cannabis. And her husband was a police officer, and, you know, they broke all the rules to make sure that they gave their son quality of life, a chance to live a longer life, even though he was suffering from a really chronic um, condition. And she has no regrets. And um, after um, her son passed away, she promised him that she'll continue to advocate for um, this therapeutic area. And so she went to Canberra, stood on the steps at Canberra, and she advocated for the legalisation of medicinal use of cannabis. And that happened. Um, and so I wouldn't be here today without Lucy. She's, like, if you ever meet Lucy, she's she's still fighting. Like, she's I've never met a woman with that much fight in her and um, she's just so passionate and so empathetic and she's doing things for the right reasons. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got into the industry as a pharmacist because of Lucy, um, but my role was in, in education and uh, in bridging some of the gaps that, that were there for healthcare professionals. Um, I'll get, I'll say though, back then in 2017, it was a hard conversation. People, doctors, pharmacists even didn't want to talk to me because, you know, it was very, very stigmatised uh, early on. Um, and, and doctors are very traditional in that they really like evidence-based medicine. It's their favourite slogan. Is that all that's missing? You're saying there's this sort of hesitation towards it. Um, is it just that the evidence isn't there or we haven't had it long enough circulating in those medical circles for people to actually understand what good it can do? I think it's a couple of things. I think for um, traditional doctors, they're used to, that's what they've been trained to know. 
um, they're trained to look at evidence, uh, medicine from an evidence-based perspective. So they wouldn't prescribe something for a patient if they don't know um, if the trials went well um, because then they can comfortably prescribe knowing that, you know, that dose is going to work for you. Now, the difference between this plant is that for the first time in history, patients know more than doctors. Um, and, and, and what I mean by that, like right now I'm sitting in Byron Bay and there is so much history here. The amount of, you know, drug law reform that happened here in the 60s and the 70s is unbelievable. And people have been advocating for cannabis legalization here for till the end of time. And it's still happening now. Like right now it's, it's a prescription medicine, but a lot of patients believe it should be legal in Byron Bay. And so I think there is the element of lack of evidence-based medicine, but there is also the element of stigma associated with cannabis. And similar to what you said early on, a lot of doctors, they still associate cannabis with bongs and joints and getting high and not able to get out of bed. And, you know, it's kind of that kind of, um, I guess, image that they're getting, but it's, that is the flip side of what I see every day. I see patients coming here every day who are able to get out of bed because they're no longer anxious and they can actually, you know, mm-hmm. get through the day because they're a lot calmer, they're a lot happier, and they're using something that's natural, that's not going to make them feel like a zombie. And I think we're so used to doctors just giving us antidepressants and Valium and diazepam and things that will just often not always great for everyone. It could be good for some people, but for a lot of us it makes us feel like we're just floating through life rather than actually looking at the sky and smelling the trees and actually being present, I think. Um, And that's what cannabis does for some of my patients now. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you can completely understand why GPs and and doctors wouldn't want to recommend something without those trials and without the information to back themselves up because that would be irresponsible. But when you think about the chemicals that are in some of the medication that are very much available to us, and as you say, often prescribed to us for those reasons, cannabis seems like a wonderful natural alternative. Um, And uh, I would think that majority of us would always choose a natural alternative over a chemical-based one. Yeah, that's what we think. And I think like, I think doctors are starting to change now. It's been, you know, over six years since I've been in the industry and I still work alongside doctors every single day now and their mentality is changing. And the reason for that is early on, there was only three products that doctors could prescribe. The cost of medicine was very expensive early on. Now, I just came back from a cannabis conference last weekend. There's over 750 products in the market now. What that means is that it's, it's um, front and centre. Doctors are now trying it out. They're like, okay, well, I've got one patient. Let me just try this CBD oil. If it works, then I'll consider it and let's see how, how it is. And so now they're dipping their toes in and they're seeing it for the first time. And um, we call this real-world evidence rather than evidence-based evidence because it's happening in the real world. And doctors' minds are starting to change and the stigma is slowly starting to change, which, a huge, which is a huge difference compared to seven years ago when it was a blanket no, and now it's a, okay, let me try it out. A quick pause to invite you to become part of our growing community. To gain access to all our podcast episodes, a weekly newsletter, and our new free five-day morning challenge that will kickstart your Aging Well journey alongside us, go to theagingproject.com.au. It's that easy. 
We'd love you to join us. Let's come together, connect, share stories, and reimagine what aging well looks like. Now, back to today's show. Okay, so let me take a, perhaps a, a somewhat of a, a juvenile, perhaps, or a naive view of this. You're not selling joints over the counter at Astrid, no. are you? As you said, you know, you probably remember your visions of, of joints or bongs from your childhood, or you're worried you're going to find one under your teenager's bed, whatever it may be. But medicinal cannabis comes in many, dif- many different forms. It's not cookies or brownies. Absolutely. No. So at Astrid, there is, you don't get brownies, you don't get cookies, there's no joints. Um, medicinal cannabis comes in a few different formulations. So you, you do get oils, tinctures, um, in different types of strengths and types. Um, we do get capsules. You can also get wafers. You can also get flour now, which is the buds that you'll get from um, cannabis plants, and that's used for inhalation. So if you do walk into our dispensary in Melbourne or Byron Bay, you'll see a experienced uh, cannabis pharmacist walk you through how to use an oil, but also what the difference is between an oil versus using a flower. And then they'll also do a demonstration on how to actually use the vaporizer as well so that you can have something that you can walk home with knowing how to use it. Um, And the main difference is oils are very long-acting and flowers are very quick-acting. And some people have chronic pain that lasts throughout the day and that's where the oil would be a lot more beneficial. But sometimes the pain just, it just happens. It's in that moment and it's sharp and you need it to go away. And this is where something that is inhaled could be a lot more beneficial because it's quicker acting. But definitely no joints. So this incredible plant, it's not just a joint and it's not just, you know, a Bob Marley t-shirt either, (laughs) is it? But you would say, obviously the plant, we're all, we're all very well aware of of what it looks like. And you're saying the the different um, uses for it come down to the different type of plant or is it the way that the plant is actually farmed like um, CBD oil compared to THC compared to um, hemp oil that we can use for cooking can you explain how how the different um, I guess things come out of the one the one plant so um, the magical thing about the plant um, is that a lot of the active ingredients um, come from the female plant actually all the active ingredients um, come from the female plant and so so we use the male plant to pollinize but we all the growing comes from we call the mother plant um, and so oh I love this. yeah and so once we <laughs> once we regrow the the plant from seed all the way to big mother plants um, you'd see that it grows into this big beautiful lush plants that has little like almost bulbs or buds and they almost have different kind of colors sometimes a bit purple sometimes they're a bit green and if you actually zoom in to those um, uh, bulbs there is actually little what we call milk buds um, and they're called trichomes and within those trichomes which is within the plant you can actually extract CBD and CBD and TXC. Um, so there's different types of cannabinoids that are all grown within the female plant. Um, TXC and CBD are just the two most dominant cannabinoids, which is the active ingredients, but you also can get CBN and CBG and a few other different cannabinoids as well that help patients um, with different sort of conditions. So it's an extraction process that's nat- from a plant that's naturally grown. Um, they can be grown outdoors. So in Byron Bay, um, for example, there is a, um, a cannabis farm that's 
close to Byron Bay. I won't say the location. Um, and they're all outdoor grown. And this particular uh, grown facility is also organic as well. Um, and I think it is one of the only facilities in Australia that is outdoor grown and also organic um, and led by a wonderful man. Um, he's a really great owner and he really looks after all his plants. In this facility, they do something called companion growing as well. So they actually grow it with um, different types of flowers and plants um, alongside it so that it's, it mimics like a natural environment as well. Um, so that's one type of growing. Then you also get the big kind of grows. So you might see a lot of products imported into Australia that's grown in Canada, but they grow on a big kind of facility and they're kind of more bulk manufacturing or bulk growing. And they're usually just to, in order to have consistency, it's a lot easier to be indoor uh, or hydroponic um, so that you control the water, you control light, you kind of mimic the outside environment as much as possible so you can grow as much as possible. And so there's... I guess different types of grows, but you can have the small grows, outdoor grows, um, um, or you can have the big mass grows. But in essence, growing always comes from the female plant or active ingredients always come from the female plant. And in order to get that oil or the flower or the wafer, you extract it from that plant in order to create a medicine. From the bud. So then say your, your hemp seed oil or um, your hemp fabrics, do they come from the same plant? Are, are hemp and cannabis the same thing? Hemp and cannabis are part of the same family but not necessarily the same thing. So the main difference between, um, I guess, cannabis and hemp is that hemp is not psychoactive. And so what that means is that hemp cannot make you have that kind of hallucinogenic feeling. It doesn't have any or very little THC in it at all, whereas cannabis will have high amounts of THC, which means that it's always in Australia, it's always going to be a prescription medicine. So you always have to get it from a doctor, dispense at a pharmacy. But if you go to Woolies now, you might see brands that have hemp in it or hemp seed oil in it, which is not psychoactive at all. It's not, um, it's not I guess, medicinal grade. Um, it is herbal grade. Right. So when someone comes to Astrid Dispensary, do they need um, a prescription? Are you allowed to diagnose someone there on their condition and then prescribe something to them? Does it still have to come through a sort of, I guess, a more open-minded GP? Yeah, that's a great question. So at Astrid Dispensary, we have our own doctors, our own nurses and our own pharmacists. So we help patients through the whole journey from end to end. So when a patient comes to us, and if you come to our site in Byron Bay a little bit later on, um, what will happen is we'll have a little chat to you to see, you know, whether or not medicinal cannabis might be beneficial for you. You do have to be eligible from, to, um, for a doctor to prescribe, and you can, we, doctors can't prescribe it for everyone. And generally it's patients um, who have suffered from a chronic condition such as chronic pain or anxiety or have issues sleeping, and they've used um, and approved therapeutic good before. So what that means is that if you have insomnia, for example, and you try sleeping tablets and you're tired of using it because you get groggy the next day and you want to try something natural, then a doctor is eligible to prescribe it for you. So, um, yeah, and so what we do is we have a, little, a brief chat with you. We try to keep it quite casual as well because there's a lot of stigma associated with cannabis. So we try to um, make sure it's a very kind of light conversation um, and then once the um, patient is comfortable, then we'll then refer them to our nurse and our doctor um, for review, and they get dispensed at one of our dispensaries. Right. You're saying in 2016 it was legalised here in Australia for medicinal use. Are we in line with other countries around the world? Are, are we behind? 
Yeah, that's, a, that's also a really great question as well. I'd say that um, the, a few companies that I used to work for, um, I used to work for Canopy Growth, which is a, a very large Canadian company. Um, and it was a great company because they, it allowed me to look into the future. Um, and I remember going to um, a couple of um, global conferences with Canopy and I worked with, um, I, I spoke alongside country leaders. So I spoke alongside the, the leader for Africa, the leader for, um, you know, Latin America, uh, the leader for the, the UK. And I saw where the market was in each of those countries. I would say that Australia is definitely leading the way from a medicinal perspective. If you go to Canada, you see that it is um, a hybrid market at the moment in that we're probably about 10 years behind Canada and America. Um, and um, what I mean by that is that in Canada and the States, it's half medicinal, half recreational, whereas in Australia, we're purely medicinal. But if you look at Canada, they started off being a, 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 being a medicinal market first before they, um, before they legalised adult use. It's interesting. When I was doing a little bit of research for this, obviously um, there was a company that I came across that sells it as soft drinks or um, sprays or whatever it might be. So I, I was curious as to whether, um, that I guess, the amount that is available in those, is there sort of a, I guess, when you are purchasing a product, the level of ingredients, do you have to announce that it has CBD or oil in it if it's just for an over-the-counter um, reason? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. In Australia, we don't have any beverages at the moment. There's no bath bombs. There's no lip glosses. And people ask me all the time. I'm like, I'm really sorry I don't have any. But it's not legalised in Australia yet. It's still a very much a prescription. Um, when it, in prescription form, there's very strict requirements from the TGA, which is the Australian Goods Administration, um, and also the, um, the ODC as well, which is the Office of Drug Control in Australia. And because it's a prescription medicine, it has to go through these two big regulatory pathways. And in order for it to pass um, through those um, um, two regulatory bodies, they have to meet quality standards. And so what that means is that it has to be free of pesticides, bacteria, um, mould, all those kind of things, have to, they have to pass the test. Um, there's a certification that all these companies have to go through and it's quite rigorous because, of course, um, Australians are going to be consuming it, so they have to make sure that it meets the same pharmaceutical standards just like any other medicines. The tricky part is that this is a plant and a plant is not like a tablet. A plant has sometimes has its own personality depending on how much sun it's got, depending on how much that mother plant's been stressed. And so there is always variances in plant medicine compared to traditional pharmaceutical medicine, and that's something that we're very conscious of. And the other thing is, um, you know, even though um, it has to be a set percentage, so if it comes in at CBD 100, it must be CBD 100 all the time. The TGA do give some variance, so plus or minus 10 or so percent, um, but it, it has to meet within that 100 milligrams per meal perspective so that patients can always get consistent medicine all the time. Yes, yes. Okay, you told us the, the beautiful, sad, moving story of, of Lucy and her son and the work that she's still doing. Can you share with us another um, real-life story of a patient that you've had? Sure. I've got so many patients. Um, we have a patient. We actually have um, part of our business um, we have also have an um, advocacy arm. And, and what that means is that we're really passionate about advocating 
not only for our patients, but also for moving policies in Australia that are probably a little bit outdated. <laughs> um, and so because we're on the ground, we see what's happening real life with patients, but also real life with policies that are impacting patients from a, from a medical perspective. So one of our patients, um, his name is Rob. I'm sure he won't mind talking about him. Um, and he had a very, very um, really horrible accident. He basically was run over by a truck um, in Victoria. Um, a couple of years ago, I'd say about seven or so years ago, and um, he based, his body slid underneath the truck and it really uh, impacted his, um, his, his spine and his legs and he couldn't walk for a while. And he went through rehab, I think, and this is before cannabis was legalised. And um, he suffers from severe chronic pain, but not only just chronic pain, also a lot of um, complex mental health conditions as well because when you go through that, it really impacts the way that you see the world. You, mm-hmm. you aren't able to interact with people the way that you would, you would um, before that um, because you're suffering from so much pain. Everything is dark. Um, and so Rob found that cannabis helped him a lot. Um, and initially it was illicit cannabis that he was using because that was that was all that was available at the time. And then he found out that he could get cannabis on prescription. And so he came to Astrid and once we heard his story, um, me, myself and B, and B is our head of advocacy at Astrid, we sat him down and often we do this with patients, even though they come in for, the, um, for medications, if we know it's a story that they just need that human-to-human interaction, we take them out for a coffee and, and we're like, tell us, tell us what we can do to help you. Um, and one of the things that, that Rob's really struggling is, is he can't work because he's, he's suffering from chronic pain and he's an, ele- an electrician. And so often it's, a, it's quite, um, you know, a, a, a job that requires a lot of physical labor and he couldn't work for a long time. And so there was a point where he couldn't afford his medicines. And um, the I think uh, TAC weren't paying for his medicines as well, which is another thing that we're trying to help navigate in Australia. Mm-hmm. How do we work with you know bodies like that to actually um, cover the cost of medicinal cannabis? Because I think for them there is still a stigma associated with cannabis. Um, and so we we work with Rob to write letters to lawyers, write letters to um, government. Um, work with, you know, TAC to figure out what, else, what other, you know, maybe we can get an opinion from a researcher. Would that help your case? Um, things like that to help him on his journey and advocate for him, put him in front of a politician so that the laws can change, that the stigma is more removed, so that he can get his cannabis covered, um, so that he can go back to work, essentially. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to say that, um, you know, we've had some progress with some patients, um, Rob is working now. I think he's working part time, and 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 he's the best thing about Rob is that even though all these things have happened to him and he's got you know complex mental health conditions and chronic pain, he at the end of the day he's always willing to fight. He's always mm-hmm. you know he, he never gives up, and I, I admire him so much for that because every time I see him, my heart breaks. But he's like, it's okay, Lisa. We're, we're going to keep fighting this, you know. And it's that's it's it. Amazing. He's got you. At- and he's got the Astrid team and, of course, every day more and more awareness, more knowledge, more understanding is coming forward. But he must feel incredible that he is, you know, a part of this huge change and that he's making a difference for the people coming behind him that are I suffering think, the same way. I think so. I think there's so much community in Astrid, which I, part of the reason why I love what I do is like I love the fact that 
patients get together. Like they they talk to each other when I come to the dispensary. They're like, okay, I've got that strain. What strain do you have? I'm suffering from this and maybe we can meet up and we can talk about, um, you know, what we're going through. And it's this beautiful kind of like community kind of aspect as well. And this plant has the ability to bring people together and I think it's it's really magical and I'm really honoured and proud to be part of this industry and I hope that we continue to advocate for our patients because they deserve it. Back in Season 1, Episode 12, we learned about the benefits of collagen from the amazing Dr Frank Lipman. It was that conversation that saw us researching the best possible collagen products we could find for us and for you. I'm excited to say our favourite brands now available inside our sister platform and store, youmusttryit.com. You'll also find a range of fabulous products from gynaecologist Dr Anna Kabeka, who we interviewed in Season 2. I absolutely love her maca powder and keto green protein power. After today's episode, perhaps go back and listen to Episode 2. It's called Let's Take a Menu Pause with Dr. Anna Kabeka. It's worth a listen. Okay, my friends, now back to today's episode. It is a future for change, and you've, you've got a great name behind you, not only with Astrid, but um, an Australian comedian that everyone knows and loves that is also supporting cannabis as use for this. This is Will Anderson. Um, I know that he was in your Forbes article, yeah. uh, a huge advocate for cannabis use. He is, yeah, and we do get a lot of um, public figures coming to our dispensaries accessing medicinal cannabis as well, and, and things like that really help move the dial because it helps to normalise it. It's no longer a scary thing because everyday people are using it, but also people who are in the media are using it and it makes it seem like it's a normal thing and it should be a normal thing. It's not that scary. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that there's so many ways to to take it as well, and I guess, you know, I've always been terrible at, at swallowing tablets, even be a Panadol, but if there <laughs> are those other options like the, the sprays and the oils, um, can you use it as a topical product as well if you had say like arthritis rather than ingesting it can can you or does disaster dispense that as a topical uh, gel or cream we do have topical um, balms and gels as well that patients can use for chronic pain um, I'm particularly very passionate about endometriosis um, we're actually participating in a couple of endometriosis clinical trials so we help with the dispensing side of things and monitoring patients um, but we also have a lot of endo advocates that come to us as well. Um, we're female-led, um, and 55% of our um, patients are women, which is incredible. Um, that is. It is, and they're suffering usually from chronic conditions, and endo is one of them. And um, there's actually a cream called endo cream that a lot of uh, women with endo use that we dispense. You're kidding. My, look, I'll put it out there. I think my daughter... Um, She's 13 and I've been studying a lot about endo. I had a little bit of it before I had my girls and, you know, got it zapped and it hasn't really given me too much grief uh, since then except, you know, monthly you just deal with it and and push on. Um, But for her, seeing her going through her cycle and starting to show signs of what I did but just thought that was normal pain, um, for children, how safe is is cannabis use in a medicinal purpose uh, for children? with whether they have anxiety, um, stress, sleep deprivation, I- is it allowed? Is there an age cutoff or something like this? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question and um, it's one that has many answers, but it's in, in essence the TGA, which is the Therapeutic Goods of Australia, um, they are very careful with um, prescribing for paediatric 
is. Um, it's not to say that you can't, and, and an example of that is epilepsy. There's actually one approved medicine in Australia that has cannabis in it for epilepsy at the moment. It's called Epidiolex, and it's actually approved by the TGA, which means that patients can access that on the PBS, which means that they get covered by the medicines. And, and that's because they've gone through those, those vigorous clinical trials and they're similar to the government. So those types of children can access it. For indications beyond epilepsy, that's when the TGA are very careful with who prescribes it, first of all, and how that patient is monitored. And also, what is the age of that patient as well? Um, you mentioned that your daughter's 13. Um, for a, you know, a child that's 13, usually it will be monitored by, um, by a specialist, as well as in conjunction with their GP, if they're really keen to explore um, the cannabis option. It wouldn't be something that the GP could manage on, on their own at at this stage. Um, the age usually is 18 over where the TJ are more comfortable, but anyone under 18, usually there has to be a lot of people involved to make sure that we are, are monitoring this appropriately. Um, in general, um, CBD, uh, I've seen that use, use a, a lot in young people, particularly autism as well. Um, even though there's not much um, evidence for autism, I see a lot of parents come through with their autistic kids and it actually does help. But again, it has to be accompanied with um, a specialist letter or a specialist intervention in order for us to prescribe for those kind of children. Lisa, it's so incredible to hear this story and to know that there is you and, of course, your incredible team behind you that are pushing to make this more the norm, to make us all understand and give, it, give us that knowledge of what is going to be, I believe, a really um, huge part of medicine in the future. Um, what role does perhaps cannabis, CDB, hemp oil have in the ageing well space? Has it been proven? It seems like it can do a, a lot of miracle things. Can it help us stay? younger for longer <laughs> um i'll say that it has a role in definitely um preventing us from aging um and what i mean by that is that everyone's um cannabis system is very unique to themselves and there's there's um there's a concept called the endocannabinoid system which is the unique intracellular system that we have in our bodies and my my system is different to your system shelly so our, our endocannabinoid system is very different and also the number of receptors that i have is also different to the number of receptors that you have and cannabis is one of those plants that is natural so it has our receptors that attach to our endocannabinoid system and it undergoes a uh, interaction or a lock and key kind of um, response that balances a lot of the kind of like the um, inflammations and things in our bodies. And so what I mean by that is that um, when you use different types of cannabis, it actually creates um, a homeostasis system, which is in simple terms, balance. And so if you have too much of something, Cannabis can actually balance it out. You have too much inflammation, cannabis can actually balance it out, which I think really kind of correlates well to ageing. And if we look at the, the UK market, you see a lot of um, skincare. And CBD is actually used in conjunction with a lot of um, skincare products in the UK as an anti-ageing product. And you could argue that it is used topically for anti-ageing, you, you can also argue that there's some systemic absorption as well um, that works with receptors within our bodies to perhaps balance out some of the inflammation or ageing that's happening within our bodies. 
Lisa, it seems that CBD or, or cannabis is great for chronic pain. Um, I've also read it's amazing for stress and anxiety and perhaps uh, sleep issues as well. Absolutely. And I mentioned earlier before that 55% of our patients are actually women and they're coming to us for a few different types of, uh, with a few different types of conditions. Um, when we look at our data, we see that, um, majority of these women are suffering from chronic pain and perhaps part of this chronic pain could be fibromyalgia. It could be endometriosis. Um, it could be neuropathic pain as well. But we also see that the, the second biggest indication that these women are coming to us for um, is mental health um, and anxiety. Um, and sometimes this anxiety is also complex. It's probably also associated with other underlying conditions as well. Um, but in most cases, those, these patients are using different types of CBD and THC combinations to help um, counteract some of these anxiety conditions. Sometimes they use it in conjunction with the current anxiety treatment. But um, the idea is to titrate off high doses of um, antidepressants and to stabilise on um, a medium doses of, of CBD throughout the day. Um, and um, insomnia is also a big one as well. And I think women, we are all so often juggling so many things. You know, we've, we're career women, but we also have families and we also got, you know, other passions that we're following as well. And we're really trying to do it all. And I think insomnia is a big one. I think the women coming to Ashford, I, I can see that they're, um, they're trying to fit everything in and they're not actually getting the rest and the sleep that they need. And, um, yeah, cannabis is a solution for these patients as well, and I can see that it has really transformed their lives. One of the biggest things with um, traditional, I guess, Western medication for these conditions, it is addictive. Um, is cannabis addictive? So cannabis actually has a very good safety profile, and, and so um, there is actually um, a study to show that alcohol is actually more addictive than cannabis. And I think somewhere along the way, this notion that cannabis is addictive came about, but um, you know, definitely alcohol is a lot more addictive than cannabis. I think that, um, like anything, addiction can occur, and I think emotionally associated with TXC, but mostly associated with patients who have that prior history, like they're already um, abusing a lot of other medications, they're using high, high doses of TXC, and the benefit of cannabis right now in the medical system is that we're monitoring these patients. So if we know that a patient is using more TXC than they should be, they're exceeding their monthly limit, um, then we would then escalate to a nurse or a doctor to make sure that we, we, need, we need to change the monitoring plan. Um, a lot of the times the nurses and the doctors um, tell patients to go on a THC holiday, which essentially means they take a break from THC. And what that helps do is it helps to reactivate the, um, the, uh, the cannabis receptors in the system so that once they do use the TXC again, it's not overstimulated and actually they, they can use a lower dose to get the same response as before. If you are prescribed um, one of these medications and you're pulled over for a random drug test, how does that go down? <laughs> Now, that, that is a topic that we're very, very passionate about as well. And, and if you see on a lot of our, our social media, we're very big on changing the current drug law regulations. And what I mean by that is our patients right now, if they are prescribed a T-Hexy product um, and they use it and they are driving, they can't legally drive even if they're not impaired. And for me, that's very frustrating because that could mean that, you know, a patient has 
a very low THC product, they need to go pick up their kids from school down the road and legally they can't. Even if they, um, you know, they have no issues with driving, they can drive the same way as, you know, they were if they didn't take it at all, legally they can't drive. And that really impacts lifestyle of patients. Um, it, it really impacts also mental health of some patients as well because sometimes they choose not to take it. They will choose to suffer with their chronic conditions um, because they're too afraid of losing the licence because sometimes these patients, they're the sole breadwinner for their families and they can't afford to, you know, not work. Um, so that is something that we advocate a lot. Every time a patient calls up and says that they've been pulled over, which happens every single day, we get a patient calling us going, I've been pulled over, um, I just went down the road to pick up my kids or get some groceries, but they pull me over and I'm not impaired and now they want to handcuff me and take me to, you know, mm. the police station, what I do. We have a patient advocacy team with us um, and we actually walk patients through that moment when they are pulled over and they're really stressed we take that from them and we're like, look, put the phone over to the police, um, let our team talk to them, we'll send them through your prescription, maybe that will help. Um, sometimes it's a lack of education with the police as well. They don't realise that it's a legal prescription, um, mm -hmm. which is something that we want to work more so on and help to educate police as well. And sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes I've sent through prescriptions to constables and they're like, well, you know what, they should be. They still have TC in the system, and so mm -hmm. we've had to um, work with pro bono lawyers and um, you know go to court with patients, advocate for them, write letters, you know, getting MPs behind. You name it, we've done it. Yeah, um, this would be a big deterrent, though, wouldn't it, for a lot of people huge. who could use this yeah, in such a, a positive way? It's a huge deterrent. Uh, deterrent. It's very frustrating. Um, but you know what, I'm positive in that things will change. We work very closely with politicians just to let them know what our patients are truly going through and um, we're, we're tackling it state by state. So there's been some progress in Victoria. Uh, we're trying to work with New South Wales now, which is a little bit more difficult, um, and hopefully that will change in future. Lisa, as I said, I love the fact that it is a natural growing product, but with any medication, there are obviously side effects and there are concerns. Um, you know, we're always given that little pamphlet, no matter what medication we're taking, about yeah, the side effects yeah. that can happen. Um, what are the holdbacks on using medicinal yeah. cannabis? Yeah. Firstly, I'm glad that you're reading the pamphlets because I'm very passionate about those pamphlets. <laughs> um, so... Those pamphlets are called consumer medicines information leaflets and um, traditional medicines and even medicinal cannabis will always be accompanied with them. And what they're there for is to remind patients that no matter what medicine you're taking, there's always going to be a risk profile. Um, every single medicine has the ability to cause side effects. It just depends on your body, how you tolerate it, and um and um, your absorption and your metabolism as well. And so medicinal cannabis is no different to any other medicine. You know, it, it can work for certain conditions, but it also can have some side effects. But the risk profile for cannabis compared to things like opioids and antidepressants is so much lower. Our patients are actually benefiting from it. It's a natural plant and it should be an option for patients. My goodness, there is so much to know about this incredible little plant that perhaps um, has been on our naughty list for a long time. If some of our audience would like to learn more, um, is there a book that you can recommend where we can read? Is there a website? Obviously, Astrid uh, Dispensary is a great place to go for information. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, our team are more than happy to help. So we have, uh, you know, like I said, a brick and mortar in South Yarra, Melbourne and Byron Bay. Um, or just give us a call. We have a team of nurses and pharmacists and technicians answering queries. You don't have to have a prescription. Just call us and we can provide education over the phone. Email us and we can always reply. We're really happy to advocate for the use of this medicine throughout Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also um, websites that you can access as well. Um, I mentioned earlier that I just came from a conference. Like It's the biggest conference in Australia. It's called the United in Compassion Conference. And it's actually Lucy's conference. She started that conference in um, in Tamworth about seven years ago, the very first one um, for Dan. And every year since then, she's she's created um, this conference where um, politicians come, advocates come, um, dispensaries like myself come, and a lot of other um, international speakers come and explain what their experiences are overseas and how we can all work collaboratively together to make sure that there is a viable um, future for cannabis in Australia. Absolutely, Lisa, and it's wonderful, as I said, to know that you and your team are at the forefront of that. Really exciting times, not just uh, for us as patients, but I'm sure in the medical field and and being able to share your passion with not just us, but um, doctors around the country and around the world must be an extraordinary feeling for you. You're doing it and it's wonderful to have you out there. So congratulations um, on how far you've come since 2016. And we certainly look forward to hearing more about this in the future. Thanks so much, Shirley. I came into today's conversation with an open mind and I'm hoping that you did the same because it seems like most topics discussed here at The Ageing Project, there's always more to it. The topic of medicinal cannabis is not an exception. There is so much for us to learn and to understand. After hearing the stories of Lisa's patients, my view has changed. I can understand why patients with chronic pain may want to try and be offered medicinal cannabis. Lisa, I absolutely admire you for the work that you are doing. I'm confident this hasn't been an easy road for you. Change is slow, but I sense that you are up for the long haul because you can see firsthand the difference that it's making to your clients. To our audience here at The Ageing Project, please pass this on to anyone that you think might benefit, especially those impacted by the conditions discussed. Thank you so much for joining us here and it's wonderful growing together with you. I'm your host, Shelley Craft. Until next week, take care. See you soon. As always, the Ageing Project podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. Always seek medical advice from a qualified practitioner.